You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded whores. Hey guys, welcome back to 50 Plus a Tip. I'm your host, Danica. Oh, you're not going to do the intro? I'm just going to let you jump in on this one. Oh. Because you're here. Oh, hi. (laughs) This is Riley, (laughs) as you know. And today we are sitting down with Madeline Horn, a Scorpio who knew she wanted to strip since she knew it. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) What is this? I've literally never heard the sound of one of those. Toilet self-cleaning toilet, I know we had. So we're recording at our strip club today, so there might be a few odd little sounds here and there, but um, we thought we'd bring you into the club with us. So today we're sitting down with Madeline Horn, who is a Scorpio who knew she wanted to strip since she knew what a stripper was. Madeline, aka Miss Horn, started at 19, moving to burlesque performance art shortly after, and has performed at fetish events, burlesque events, nightclubs, music festivals, and even the Playboy Mansion in 2009. We're super excited to have you on today, Madeline. Um, I think I've danced with you for a few years now, so I'm super excited to dive into some of these topics that I don't think you and I have actually ever talked about before, but yeah. thank you so much uh, for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm sorry we dragged you into the club on your day off. <laughs> <laughs> I love being here. I'm so <laughs> early. Yeah, so early. That's the one thing I won't complain about. <laughs> well, this is I'll edit this rock. out. <laughs> <laughs> no complaints, only positive things. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> me, on my show. <laughs> so, first and foremost, how did you get into sex work? Um, so I was on my first strip club stage ever when I was 14. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) To, like, this fetish event. Uh, A friend of mine, when I was in high school, like, owned, like, the fetish store. And there was going to be, like, a fetish party at at the the strip club in Edmonton. And they're like, let's invite children. And she was like, like, yeah, I can totally put you guys in the fashion show. Me and my other 14-year-old friend. She's like, just like, well, just sneak you guys in the back door. It'll be fine. Oh, good. (laughs) So so I was super stoked, of course. I was like, yes. And uh, and then, yeah, so we did that. I swung around the pole. It was super fun. I was like, yes. You're like, this is it. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I kind of knew before then. Like, I would just, like, ever since I knew what a stripper was, I was like, Yes, yes, yes. And then um, and then when I was 19, I was uh, dating this guy in Victoria. I kind of went there on vacation and then um, just stayed because we fell in love. <laughs> and oh, then uh, <laughs> I can already tell the story's going to go badly. <laughs> yeah, and then I couldn't find a job, and I found StripperNet online, and I applied, and next thing you know, I was working at the Fox in Victoria, so... Oh, oh rest in peace. Fox. I know. Oh, it was beautiful. I miss that place so much. Yeah. So, what all avenues of sex work have you worked in, and what has been your favorite of those? So, I've done, uh, like, I've done a lot of, like, fetish modeling, and then fetish videos, uh, stripping, of course, um, uh, I've done, I did cam work for a little bit. Uh, and then during the pandemic, I went into OnlyFans. Definitely my least favorite. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. What did you not like about OnlyFans? I know Riley and I have talked at length about our opinions. On I mean, I don't cam. really like cam work either. I don't really mm-hmm. like anything that's super impersonal. It just mm-hmm. like feels like in the club face to face feels so much more rewarding to mm-hmm. me. Like mm-hmm. I just um, like, first of all, I've never made the money that other like that people talk about making online. Like it's mm-hmm. never I've never figured out that hack. I've like taken courses. I've like studied it and it's just never worked for me. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> Classic gas town area. You know, save people's lives. Can you do it quietly, please? <laughs> <laughs> do it not in our podcast oh hours. If you want to be like super safe during the hour and a half we need. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and then I find that like OnlyFans attracts like this type of man that's like, how much can I drain you for and pay the least? Oh yeah, pay the money. most for for the least. For yeah, sure. I'm mean, just like. Ugh, no, I feel so disrespected. It feels so gross to me. Like, I think there's like, yeah, there's a people think they have this power hiding behind a screen that they would never say that to your face. I mean, they, some of them do, <laughs> your face do. But yeah. I think a lot more of them have that audacity when they're behind a screen. 
Oh, my sure. favorite saying. If there's one thing men have, it's the audacity. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, get that on a shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I like, dabbled in camming, too. And the fact that, like, they'll send one token, which if you've never worked in one camming, penny. it's five cents. Mm-hmm. American, though, so maybe seven cents. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and they, like, expect your attention for that is, like, mind-boggling yeah. to me. Yeah. But I know people who are, like, successful at cam, too. So I, too, am, like... I yeah. No, there's definitely an art to be successful. Like, I, I've interviewed one of my girlfriends in the first season. She's, like, top three on Chatterbait for years, and she's but she's had to put so much work in and, like, mm-hmm. consistent, like, hours mm-hmm. on hours each day to get to that point, and then really having, like, a, a solid regular base, which, I mean, is the same as strip club. Like, a lot yeah. of your best money will be coming from people that you put the hours in. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I felt, I felt kind of the opposite um, where maybe in a different way when you're saying, like, in person is more personal I found online was more like invasive as like weird as that like that dichotomy is of like yes it's less personal but I found it more invasive like it was in my own home it was in like I didn't Mm -hmm. get my time off as opposed to when I'm at the club I'm Danica and when I leave I'm myself that's one thing that I also like found about that is like I hated not I felt like I was always on call Mm -hmm. yeah just like you're you wake up you check the OnlyFans you see and then by I, I was in bed, like, right. tucking myself in, like, checking OnlyFans, like, right. trying to see if there's any money that I'm leaving on the table, you yeah. know what I mean? No, and it's just, like, I really like dancing for that, too. You go into work, and then when you leave, it's over. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Like, no, I completely yeah. agree. We had uh, Rachel Rampage on um, a while ago now, and she said the exact same thing. I think that's just such a common feeling for um, in-person sex workers to yeah. then, like, leave work and still be on the clock is like really exhausting and you put in especially if you're a stage performer like yourself and rachel you put so much of yourself into those performances yeah and then to like not have that time to like recoup yeah 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 yeah, it's really exhausting yeah so you said you moved into burlesque after you started stripping uh, why that move and what were the key differences you noticed? Because I think a lot of people are confused about how closely or um, different stripping to burlesque is. And there's a lot of like a gray area between the two. Yeah, I think burlesque is just kind of a throwback to where stripping started, like in the like vaudeville clubs and stuff. And uh, it's just kind of like a nostalgic kind of thing that's become a lot more uh female kind of driven now Mm -hmm. like I think the fan base for burlesque is a lot more like females Mm -hmm. um I got into burlesque because I was always looking up to like like Dita Montese was like my idol like ever since I can remember I was like oh my god I want to be her Mm -hmm. you know so um yeah I kind of I had a mental health crisis when I was uh, in my early 20s after a couple of years of dancing and um, I had like a full like psychotic break mm-hmm. and I couldn't work, I couldn't do anything and then after a while I kind of realized, okay, I can create this like act that I only have to, like I can create in the shadows when I'm feeling down or whatever and then I only have to pull it out once in a while. So right. I used mm-hmm. my time to still be creative and and that's kind of where burlesque came from for me because I wasn't in the clubs anymore. I couldn't, I was like too fucked up to dance. So, right. yeah. Right. That makes sense. Um, we're definitely going to get into the uh, mental health aspect because we really love your soul more than I think a lot of people will relate to that. Yeah. Um, we're going to pick your brain a little bit more about yeah. the artistic part. Uh, so, you performed in some pretty wild places, fetish clubs, and even the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. What has been your favorite place to dance at? Oh. I mean, any fetish event, really. Like, I just kind of fell back in love with the fetish scene because the fetish scene has always been super accepting. Mm -hmm. And, like, they kind of welcomed me with open arms, like, right away. And um, just a warm vibe. Everybody's open. Everybody's inclusive. Like, and uh, I always felt really loved. Like, when nobody else was really giving me a chance, the fetish, like, events and clubs were, like, booking me and mm. like flying me in and stuff and so I think yeah like I did Secret Room in Atlanta I did uh, Smack in New York I did Torture Garden in Montreal like I've yeah so I 
have done a lot of those, and I, I don't know if I can pick a favorite. I love them. Yeah. I love, yeah, I love the fetish scene. And when you're performing at these fetish clubs, what does that look like? Do you have a certain, like, um, routine you're doing, or do you, yeah. you do fire and stuff? Um, so back when I was doing that, it was, like, a largely aerial, like, hoop and trapeze that I right. did, and then um, I did do fire once in a while, too. I did, like, kind of a different show based on whatever the club wanted mm -hmm. but I would usually like like most of my um shows had costumes to go with them but for fetish events I usually like wore latex and stuff because I wanted awesome. to like make make it more like kink yeah, yeah like yeah so what's your uh, favorite style to perform like like do you like aerial more do you like I haven't heard of trapeze either yeah. really being performed in no. that yeah like, on the club yeah. that's so cool yeah, I don't do it anymore. I wish I could, but it's like I would have to like get my muscles like oh, yeah. back mm -hmm. into it and and all that. And um, I don't really have a space to do that in. Yeah. You don't have a space that you could just put up a trapeze. Yeah, right. <laughs> Shut the rent in Vancouver. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, places. Yeah. A little shoebox apartments. <laughs> but I have been like um, thinking about uh, bringing fire back into the club again mm -hmm. like please maybe? do i have been yeah. bitching about it for so long and jeremy who everyone met on this podcast refuses to have fire here because of oh i've the had roofs. fire here before he refuses i have asked him so okay. many times to bring it back and he's like no the roof's too short blah 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 excuse yeah. excuses uh yeah i've done fire here a couple times before but not in many years and um i also i can see that I mean, it's not... It is a very, like, short um, distance mm -hmm. from the stage floor to the ceiling. And oh, yeah. also, the whole, like, I know a lot of girls do um, fire at Brandy's, but there's, like, the two poles are on sort of the outside of the stages, mm -hmm, whereas right. opposed to, like, the dead five, center. it's dead center. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not even any room that you could, like, there's just, you're just so much more limited in terms of, like, space. Yeah, and the closer, like, the quarters for fire and anything, like, the more, like, the crowd becomes a liability because you want to oh, have sure. a certain amount of distance right. totally. doing that kind of stuff. Like, you so. don't want drunk people coming closer to your fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shockingly. Uh, <laughs> That's another thing, like, I've been learning um, whip cracking. Oh, yeah. And uh, I realized that, like, there's no real place. Like, there's no strip club with enough space no. God, to no. do that. No. And that makes me really sad because I was like, oh, if there's one place, it's the penthouse. And I was at the penthouse the other week and I, I busted out my whip, but it just kept getting like snagged on the pole. Oh, the God. pole was like right <laughs> yeah. in the middle. And I'm like, oh, I just felt like such a tool on stage. Because like, <laughs> nobody understands like how much you actually need oh, yeah. more space. So they're just watching me like flail and try to crack <laughs> this whip and it's just like hitting and they're like, <laughs> and I'm like feeling like oh my god I would just want to go die um, <laughs> have you like danced at Kelowna recently I feel like that would be like oh, an yeah. okay space to do it yeah maybe. I've both never danced be. there oh okay yeah it's got a pretty big stage both, yeah. both clubs there have big stages too yeah yeah potential yeah there are a lot of girls in the industry that have worked with Playboy magazine um, but you're the first person I've heard of that has actually gone to the mansion. Mm -hmm. What was it like? Oh my god, it was like a dream come true. I applied for their Halloween party because like there was a place fun. where you could apply to to win like free tickets. So basically like hot girls enter kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So I was like, hey, <laughs> and then there was like, yeah, totally. So there was like a questionnaire about like what do you do like this. So if, course I took the opportunity to plug my like performance art and yeah. then the next thing I know the guy like chose me to get a free ticket to go and he's like we're actually like really interested in your show like flew me out uh to go like take a tour of the mansion like talk to me about what I did and and uh yeah and then uh and then I was flown back with my mom I got to Aww. take my mom and awesome. yeah yeah and I got to perform for Halloween I did the fire I wore like horns and awesome. uh latex and it was fun oh my yeah. god that's, that's amazing so yeah 20 20 2009, 2009. yeah a long time what was ago. happening at the Playboy Mansion then who was around um 
Holly and the more Lindy back then. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the time of like Holly yeah. and the other two blondes. Yeah. <laughs> Holly and the other two blondes. Yeah. I like Truly. saw Hef in like the distance, but I never got to meet him, sadly. Mm-hmm. I got uh, Ron Jeremy was there. He felt oh. me up. I was like, eh, well, that, that awkward. Yeah. You know that? Ron Jeremy. <laughs> I got a picture with like the cast of The Hills, which was cool. Oh my oh, god. Oh, god. <laughs> Yeah. The younger listeners are like, who? Yeah. <laughs> For everything you just said. Yeah. Like, Jeremy, totally. you know, they're like, who are these people? Polly Shore um, was there. He was super, like, fucking on some kind of drugs. Also tracks. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is exactly how I picture all these people. Yeah. Um, so, but other than that, it was really fun. Yeah. That's dope. I would yeah. love to witness that. Yeah. Have you ever worked with Playboy magazine? No. Yeah. I've been rejected by them multiple times. Oh, yeah. Cut this out. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, my, my, biggest, my biggest defeat. Thank you for accepting that. I feel like, I mean, I've definitely seen girls on Playboy magazine. I shouldn't be on Playboy magazine. Um, well, well, they have a specific know, look, though, right? Like, I'm, like, goth and, like, big fake titties, and I think that they're more, like, natural girl next door kind of look. I mean, that's their brand, right? Girl right, next door. for sure. Um, I think, uh, well, from what I've learned about Playboy magazine is like anyone, you just have to pay to get mm. on it. A lot of girls pay to get on it. They pay thousands of dollars. You have to pay for your flights out to wherever they want to shoot. You have to pay for the photographer shoot. Um, yeah, that's not so, how it was oh. back in the day, but yeah, that's what you see girls, especially like Vancouver girls are somehow on like, you know, Playboy Ireland. Yeah. I have heard that and yeah. I, I was actually offered that, but that doesn't, um, that doesn't for me, I'm like, that doesn't count. No, no, I, I agree. I know I want Playboy to want me. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like, I'm from, like, the day where, like, we got paid. Yeah. Got paying, like... I know. Now it's, like, um, like even with, uh, like, photos and stuff, like, when I was, like, modeling in my 20s and stuff, I the never paid, paid a fucking photographer. Yeah. I always got paid. And now it's, like, for any kind of, like, photo shoot or anything, you always... The model's paying. It's yeah, never, it's nobody ever asked me if I'm, like, if I have a rate, you know yeah, what I mean? It's yeah. always, like, them, and so things have changed oh, a lot yeah. that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. yeah, no, Riley and I have talked about it before because I had a photographer reach out to me asking me to shoot with them, and then they mentioned something about payment, I was like, no, you re- you wanted me as a model, so... Yeah, you, yeah. And not even, like, I'm asking for payment, we'll collab, so neither of us are making money on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to pay you when you reach out to me to ask them all Absolutely. for you. Absolutely. He actually yeah. did that to me, like, a week and, or like Shut a couple up. weeks ago. Yeah. He listens to the podcast, too. Oh, you should know better. Stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. If you reach out, then then you're yeah. offering. Yeah. You're not, yeah. like, yeah. You're offering a collab. Mm-hmm. Or a payment. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Come on, people. Yeah. That's funny, I didn't realize it's desperate. Yeah. Um, no, it wasn't like, um, it was like to split the, the studio space or something. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess. It, it depends on what they're bringing to the table. If you're the one with a big following and you're bringing them people. Yeah. I mean, I, no, I do not have a big following. Commit to the Yeah. Uh, guys, <laughs> five, six, <laughs> seven, eight. <laughs> I'll tell them now. Uh, Get it together, people. <laughs> you're like, me? Me? <laughs> like every time I talk. Rude. <laughs> and usually I edit out all the background noise while I try to because I've had so many people write in and be like, love your podcast, but I can't listen when I'm driving because every time I hear like the ambulance, I pull over and I'm like, I love it. I love to see it. That you're just on the freeway pulling over. Everyone's just like, what the fuck's this guy's doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh shit, it was the podcast. So I'm sorry, not sorry. I'm, I'm lazy with my editing lately, so you're going to get a lot of ambulance sounds. Uh, <laughs> so we spoke about how like modeling has changed over the years and what the expectations are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with any art, you adapt and you change. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that your dance style has changed over the years? Yeah. So when I first came back to dancing, like six or seven years ago, uh, after like a hiatus when I was doing like burlesque and stuff, I was very much like just wanting to blend in as a stripper. Mm-hmm. Just strippery, like, you know, my costumes weren't that big. Just mm-hmm. like... Um, I just wanted to live a normal life Mm -hmm. at the time, Mm -hmm. and now I feel like I'm, like, getting into being more of a showgirl, and, Mm -hmm. like, I'm bringing a lot more of my burlesque roots, like, into my show, which feels fun and and feels a lot more like me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, I think that's, yeah, I go through phases, but I'm in a big showgirl burlesque kind of mood these days. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice thing, too, about, um this industry, sex work in general, or anything with arts, 
and you know Riley and I were literally just talking about this how um, we have wigs and different hair pretty much every night mm -hmm. and people were like is this another way I'm gonna listen to my real hair because no one ever sees it right so yeah and that's the nice thing about this industry is like you can kind of reinvent yourself as yeah. you go and and go back to maybe if you want to look go back or go forward or yeah. move sideways mm -hmm. or whatever you want to look like um, yeah some days I look a lot more Barbie doll and some days I'm a little more goth and it's nice to be able to change your own art and be able to express yourself like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I love your shows. I always have, so I'm excited. Thank you. Oh my gosh, especially when you go up in the red course that I'm like, my gosh, we're talking like shop. <laughs> yeah, that's a newer show and it's really fun. Oh, it's and so I, hot. That's the one that like I got. I got like a red whip to go with it, but I can't crack it because there's not enough space. So that makes me really sad. Like, so I have like a little play whip that I bring on stage with me. Yeah, it's just to fuck with people, basically. Yeah, oh, I love yeah. just for good. the look. <laughs> Aesthetic. <laughs> Aesthetic. Uh, do you have any advice for dancers wanting to get on the stage or improve their performances? Um, watch girls you like closely, mm -hmm. I think. Like, that's how I learned. Mm -hmm. I really took... And I still learn that way. Like, if I see girls and I really, like, am, like, wow, like, enthralled with their show, I'll be, like, what's making me enthralled with their show? How mm -hmm. are they moving? Like, what's, like, what is... And I'll try to take, like, the pieces that I really like or that right. feel really sexy to me. And right. then if it's something, like, if it's a specific move or something, then I'll, like, practice it at home or... Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think um, really taking inspiration from the amazing women that we all have around like yeah. there's an uh, endless pool of inspiration right there so uh, yeah Riley and I were actually talking about that um when it, well we talk about all the time when we see especially new girls come on stage we kind of make it a point to watch their show yeah and then comment like oh I really like that move or I think that move would look good on my body but if I tweaked it a little bit um or this would go really good with your show in that one area of that song and yeah um yeah it is I think there's um there is something to be said about how talented the women around us are, like you said. Yeah. And then it's kind of cool when you see a movie you haven't seen before, like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Taking that one. <laughs> they totally. see on stage the next week, like, this bitch is doing my exact <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I started stage, like, a very small time ago. Um, and I, like, I got a lot of inspiration from Rachel Rampage and, like, the clowning, because, like, I don't have much pole, you can't do much pole here anyway. Yeah. I'm not flexible, like, there's a lot of things that I'm, like, limited to. Really yeah. yourself. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> not <flexible>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I always loved how, like, interactive with the audience she was. So, mm -hmm. like, I took kind of that aspect and I did a move, like, I, like, with a guy's hat, yeah. And like I, oh, I know yeah. this story. Oh, I had to hear about it for weeks. <laughs> and then like uh, a girl, I think like during the time I was on stage, like got up and like did that move too. And I was like, <gasps> but then I was like, wow, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> if it works, yeah. And I was like, it's fun. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, totally. I love interacting with the audience. Yeah. I really find like. Um, this is one thing, like, I have a, a good friend who's a dancer, and we have, like, very different styles, and she, like, completely, like, kind of, like, I wouldn't say disconnects from the audience, but she really doesn't care if they're into it or not. Like, right. she just, like, has her flow and her state and stuff, and for me, like, I feel like I'm so dependent on, like, the audience validation yeah. that if they're not into it, my show just, like, goes downhill. Like, I, I really need that playful, Positive like, energetic kind of... Yeah, I feel like it, um, like, I love when you have, like, a playful interaction like mm -hmm. that, like, like somebody gives you their hat or something, and then other people, like, really like it, and then mm -hmm. they get into it, and yeah. then it's, like, the audience becomes part of the show, and mm -hmm. it's, like, a fun give and take. No, I love that. Sure. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big difference between um, a good dancer and a good performer. Yeah. Like, you can definitely be both, and ideally you want to be a both a good dancer and a good performer, but yeah. there's definitely some people that are great dancers and mm -hmm. do not have the stage presence or are not good performers. And then there's some people that are fantastic performers, and you're, like, enjoying watching them. They're not really doing anything, like, dance-wise that's impressive. Arguably, mm. um, so <laughs> <laughs> me. Um, but, yeah, so that's, like, the, that's the difference between being a good dancer and a good performer is knowing how to get your audience mm -hmm. engaged. Yeah, I definitely think, like, I'm a good performer, not necessarily a good dancer. <laughs> I, think I mean, I, yeah. I, uh, I've had, like, uh, I've trained with dance coaches and, like, I've really honed my craft, but, like, I do barely any pole work anymore. Yeah. And, um, 
I mean, you're tall too, so like yeah, this you pole can like, here is impossible. You can like tickle. The I top can touch of that the ball. ceiling. Yeah, yeah, on the stage here. So <laughs> <laughs> I can literally like go like this, yeah. and I'm touching, like running my fingers along the ceiling. So it's like it's yeah. Yeah, I remember anything I... I've tried to do, my legs like hit. Everything. Like, yeah. I went yeah. to do like one climb on the pole. I was like, oh no, I am at the top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> climbing is not. Yeah, happening. you have yeah. to like. I know, like, uh, again, like Rachel, you're saying is also very tall, and yeah. even the poles at Brandy's, you like see her go into like a shoulder mount, and she has to like. She doesn't. She has to like go down, like do a little bit of a back bend. Mm, yeah. Um, and I'm like, yeah, it's for tall. Like, it's not made for tall girls for shape, mm-hmm. like at all. No, no, no. And that's honestly like. It's a, it's a funny, like, pole dancing has become really popular as, like, a fitness thing, but I find mm. it's less common in the clubs now, too, which is, like, weird. Like, I don't see a lot of girls doing a lot of pole. Yeah, Or a lot of clubs true. encouraging pole. A lot of clubs, like... I don't think anybody cares no. anymore. Which is yeah. funny, because it's becoming so much bigger in fit, the pole fitness. It's yeah. It's kind of huge now. I think things changed a lot, though, when the, uh, when the like, show prices changed. Oh, for sure. Like, I think that there's, like, they, the clubs are, like, they can't demand... Oh, what no. they used to demand. Definitely not. So, I think it's just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you want to make tips and you know a way, then, then you'll do that. But I don't yeah. think that, yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah. And I think, I've always said, like, I think, or at least for me, I've noticed a trend where, like, I definitely make more tips doing floor work and getting closer to the audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing, even my best tricks on a pole. Yeah. Don't get, maybe warrant, like, some kind of, like, cheers. Yeah. But as we know, cheers and woos don't pay our bills. And exactly. And I get much more when I'm on the floor and engage with the audience, especially like at yeah. high level yeah. with stage. That's um, another thing, like, that I realized when I did have done uh, fire the couple times that I did, like, I don't make any extra tips yeah. for doing it because yeah. it takes away from my interaction with the mm-hmm. crowd. Yeah, exactly. So if anything, I make less. So it's kind of like I, I have this, like, want to bring it back for me, but, like, also, like, why? Because... Yeah. It's going to cut into my money. Yeah. 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 I feel like the poll that I do know at, like, more so clubs that I, like, can house and stuff where, like, there's a spinning pole and static Mm. pole and and a lot more, like, room to do it, I always use the pole as filler. Yeah. Yes. Like, if I'm not interacting with the audience or it's, like, died down a little bit, I'm like, yeah, I'll get on the pole, you know? Mm. Absolutely. It's, like, as opposed to, as you were saying, like, uh, you've watched the amateur nights and they instantly climb that pole because it's it's now a bunch of like pole girls that yeah. want their chance like or a shot on the stage. Yeah. Um, right. I also think people like especially newer dancers like I think people can it, get nervous interacting mm-hmm. with the stage because they get stage fright. So yeah. the pole's like a comfort thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? yeah For yeah. a lot of girls. No, I hear so many girls too who are like thinking about getting into stage and they're like, oh, but I need to learn more pole first. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> really? Not. Yeah. Never, yeah. The amount of girls that literally never even put a hand on that pole. Like it's it's a lot. Not many girls do pole mm. work anymore. And honestly, I really think that if anything, like you should be focusing more on stage presence a thousand, and like yes. footwork and yeah, rhythm yeah. more yeah. than that. Like, oh yeah, and yeah. and like a big thing too, like your song choices. Like it's all these things that people don't really think of when it's performing. Like how is your song choice? How is your yeah, how is your um, eye like your um, like eye contact with the audience? Can yeah. you do like how's your facials? Like it's all these mm-hmm. like other things that. Maybe, like, people with an actual, like, dance background know. Yeah. And then when girls coming in strip club have no dance background, they're like, oh, I gotta climb the pole. And it's like, no, really. There's a lot better ways to make money. Yeah. Um, the people will be more enjoyable watching you. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I have a dance background as, as to you, but I feel like ballet, jazz, everything like that, ballroom and Latin I did too, you never looked at the audience. There was zero audience interaction. It was, like, there for the, like, you got up there, you did your show, and then you got up because, like... Yeah. It didn't matter if the audience was interacting with you. You were, like, judged on technical ability. Yeah. So I feel like um, even that's a, like, learning experience is, like, having to interact with the audience. I mean, I don't know what your fucking jazz hands to the audience yeah. ballet. Like. Yeah, I know. I, my, my, uh, no, they're always, like, about face, giving face and stuff and that kind of stuff. And I also did, like, like musical theater. Okay, well. yeah. I competed in musical theater and I competed in tap and stuff. And all that stuff is a lot of, like faces and like clowning and like all that for the adjudicators so I think that like was my yeah. background too but yeah with like such an interesting point I mean there's like facial expressions too like Borm and Latin and it's right. like very big on like facial expressions but right. never to the audience right yeah 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 no that's that's a good point for sure hmm. um so just 
back to what you said before about um, the mental health, again, thank you for being uh, so open about it because um, it's, especially when you're trying to find sex worker-friendly support, Mm -hmm. um, it can be very difficult, and I think it's important, and I think Riley and I make an effort to talk about mental health on the podcast because um, a lot of people shy away from it, Um, so I appreciate how open and honest you were about what you've already told us and um, talking about on the podcast, and you told us off air that you had a friend who raised money to send you to a private inpatient treatment facility in 2015. Yes. Uh, Can you tell us a bit more about that experience? Uh, my wonderful, amazing friend, Zoli, the love of my life. Wow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not what you told me. (laughs) He, uh, yeah, he, we started talking again right around, uh, a time when I was just like really struggling, really struggling hard. And he heard it in my voice and he was like, I'm afraid you're going to kill my, kill yourself. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yep. (laughs) Like. Yeah. I mean, I've been suicidal a lot in my life, and that was definitely one of them. And he, uh, yeah, he sent me to this uh, place in Nashville, Tennessee, just outside Nashville, like mm. the suburb area. And it was like an inpatient place, sort of a, sort of a catch-all, like, like rehab, but not just for drug addicts, like mental health and trauma survivors and stuff. And um, I spent two months there. And, uh, yeah, it changed my, it changed my life. It it wasn't without struggle, um, you know, talking about, um, sex work friendly and stuff. Like it was in the Bible belt and I definitely experienced, uh, cause I'm an open book. Like I'm like just who I am, take it or leave it, you know? And I was like that there, of course, because. I'm also in a really raw state, mm-hmm. you know, and needing to just not put on a face for anybody. Right. So I definitely got like some pushback and got in trouble a couple times and <laughs> really? yeah, yeah. So you probably wouldn't recommend that same facility for other sex workers maybe. Uh yeah, I mean it saved my life regardless, but mm-hmm. um yeah, maybe not for it not for sex workers. I don't know like or people who are super like sexually open mm-hmm. yeah 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 no that makes sense like yeah we've said it before yeah it's very hard not only to find mental health help period yeah but then to also add the point yeah that you're a sex worker and that's a good point you just made how during those times you need that to be able to be vulnerable and yeah. you don't want to have to be saying okay how can I say this but you know go around this and say this mm-hmm. and not mention this and, and hide that I'm a sex worker and hide when well just things sex like work impacts it was a it was like a co-ed facility and at one point like I wasn't uh like I never wear bras mm-hmm. never and I'm just like being myself being comfortable mm-hmm. and uh and one I got like taken aside at one point and mm-hmm. was like told like you have to like wear appropriate undergarments and I was <laughs> like I was like um he's like the counselor was like yeah some of like the men have expressed like concern or like temptation like (laughs) yeah or like distraction or whatever and I'm like this is supposed to be a safe space for me right yeah yeah and I have to be comfortable and I'm not comfortable in like this like Nashville heat in tons of layers yeah you know like I never wear a bra in my personal life I don't intend on wearing one here and it's none of your business if I am or if I'm not. Mm -hmm. And if somebody else is struggling, then that's their issue and they need to work through it. It's Mm -hmm. not on me, you know? Like, I'm, like, just being myself. This is my fucking anatomy. Like, Mm -hmm. you know? Sorry, I was born with nipples. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They can talk about it in one of their, their, like, uh, mandatory, uh, (laughs) like, counseling stations that we have to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I have talked also on the podcast about living in an inpatient treatment center for my mental health. Oh, okay. Uh, for eating disorders back in New Zealand, and mm. uh, yeah, I didn't have like the best time with like the people that were there too. Like, I openly heard one of the nurses mocking my eating habits while she was preparing oh, my breakfast. Like, you oh had to stand God. outside. Yeah, so it's like. 
I, I also agree with the fact that, like, it did save my life. I don't think I would be here without it. Yeah. But, like, it is not without problem, and it is not without struggle. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, like, the people running it are human, too, and they're not perfect. So yeah. sometimes shit like that happens, right? And, like, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of imperfect stuff, and it's tough for people in a vulnerable state already. Yeah, yeah. totally. You're, like, confronted 24-7. Yeah. Like, that you have something to deal with and it's there's like not none of your coping mechanisms there either. Yeah. And so it's just like it's really it's it's really br- a brutal experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I definitely like sympathize with you on that one. Yeah, I had no phone or like access yeah. to internet or anything for and I could only like there was a lot of times where I could call people like my mom or like at the time I was I would usually call Zoli like and uh yeah, it was uh yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of access to things to take your mind off of. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. But still worth going to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, do you think sex work uh, played a role in your journey with mental health? And if so, um, did it help or hinder or kind of a combo of both? Um, I don't think it did at the time. I think I was well on my way, like, uh, I was depressed pretty much from the time I hit puberty. Like, it was, uh, I never felt normal. I always felt sad and angry for no reason, Mm -hmm. really. And it was a struggle for me to, like, exist. And then I think, like, I was in a really uh, toxic, abusive relationship. And I think that definitely, like, looking back, I didn't think it at the time, but I think looking back, that definitely contributed to my breakdown. And, um... And, yeah, but I don't think sex work was uh, a contributor to it at the time. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that I have trauma from it now, mm-hmm. but, like, is there any job that does not have... If you've been in it long enough, like, there's not trauma with, yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, no, that's a very good point. I have talked before with my friends and that about a, a bar I used to work at and the way the boss treated us. It's like, I still have, like nightmares about forgetting ketchup and getting screamed at you know you like yeah so yeah I think a lot of unfortunately a lot of jobs especially in the capitalist society oh yeah um give us a lot of trauma yeah I was saying to my friend the other day we were at Rec Beach which is a nude beach for those who don't know Vancouver I was with uh my friend and I was like I remember a meme and it was saying how you know we really could be just naked eating fruits on a beach all day and someone decided to make taxes like nude eating pineapple like living our best life hey but no <laughs> i mean that being said uh i enjoy i i would i do enjoy the luxury of things so mm-hmm. like hey i mean capitalism but also like if that's gonna allow me to live in a fucking penthouse apartment and yeah. be really rich one day then yes please yeah Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> yes, please. I would like a side of capitalism. Yes. <laughs> a side of capitalism. <laughs> Just a dollop. <laughs> um, was there a process between leaving your ex and being comfortable interacting with men at work? Because I know we've talked before about um, when you're, especially in a heterosexual relationship, mm-hmm. and then you're working with the majority of like male patrons. Mm-hmm. There's some mm-hmm. kind of like connection between that and how it impacts both ways. Have you found that for yourself? I mean, no, not really, because when I came, when I left my ex, I sort of came back to work, and uh, and that was, um, like, the freest I ever felt was mm-hmm. after I got out of that relationship, so um, I definitely, like, have struggled with boundaries in my life, mm-hmm. and I've I'm putting them more in place as time goes on, but, like, if anything, that's what I struggle with is, like, putting boundaries in place, not, like, opening them kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you found that dancing has sort of taught you how to put boundaries in place? Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of times where, because I, I have struggled with boundaries, and that's one of the things that I learned during inpatient treatment is, like, we did an exercise about boundaries, and, like, I didn't have any. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, 
and doing this job it really has taught me like to get in touch with like what feels good what doesn't feel good and like uh to tell people that you know mm -hmm. to tell people like where the line is and I think that that's kind of a problem with um this job and the way that uh, men uh interact with it like they think that if they pay money they get access to they get everything. access to everything yeah. they're not realizing they're getting access to your time but you're still a human being with like things that are comfortable and things that aren't and things that you will yeah. do and won't do you know so it's like that's been something that I've definitely had to explain to people <laughs> doing the lord's work eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah do you have any advice for those in sex work either dealing with their mental health or dealing with an abusive ex or partner hmm advice mental health like I, f I feel like ask for help mm -hmm. be open that you're struggling like really like um, try to uh, try to tap into the resources of your support system you know around you mm -hmm. um, and like that's where I was at the time like I was really like asking for help for a long time I'd been at rock bottom and I was like just desperate for help so I think that the more that you are open with it the easier it is for people to sort of offer you mm -hmm. you know help and and be open to help too because I think sometimes you get into a state where you just think nothing's gonna help you know you're just like doomed to be depressed or be you know, like up and down or whatever you're struggling with, um, you have to be open for things to help you. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And as far as like the struggling with an abusive partner thing, I really, I don't have any advice with that really. It's kind of such an individual thing. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I would just say like, try to talk to people. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think like too, from the other end of things, if you are with a friend, like your friend noticed in your voice that something was off or whatever mm -hmm. um to have hold space for people to be able to tell you mm -hmm. that they're going through something mentally because i think that is hard as well for people absolutely that, even if they are seeking help it's hard to find people that are receptive to it yeah um so even if you can be that friend for someone yeah um, as long as it doesn't you know hurt your mental health taking on it yeah mm -hmm. and try not to be a fixer too because mm -hmm. like I, I know that even me like that's how I grew up mm -hmm. and that's how I think a lot of us grew up it's mm -hmm. hard not to be like oh we'll try this do this mm -hmm. blah 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 and like sometimes that's just the last thing that is yeah. you know because most people have tried everything mm -hmm. you know at a certain point so it's like going for a walk or doing an exercise journaling. class like <laughs> journaling whatever like that's not going to be the answer at that point you yeah. know mm -hmm. so it's like Riley and I always joke, like when someone's like, or like when we're talking about like, oh, like I'm sad today, or like, oh, I'm hungry. It's like, have you thought about not being sad? Not being anxious. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, what a revelation. Yeah. No, thanks for that. It's cured. <laughs> I think like surrounding yourself with people who like really understand mental health too oh, yeah. is so crucial. And yeah, I I agree. Like, not being like I that's something that I need to work on too is like not being a fixer because like I care so deeply about my friends yeah. that I'm like I want to help them but like yeah just trying to hold space I think we all do it yeah I definitely yeah. have done it and I like I I I had like one of my friends like call me out on it like like yeah. I was like oh like try this blah 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 or like just like you know think positive or some bullshit whatever you know <laughs> like and she was like are you seriously saying that to me and I was like ah yeah <laughs> I mean, what no I, yeah <laughs> I had a friend I have a friend who deals with mental health and she had a partner who just like absolutely did not get it like has never struggled a day like in their life with mental health and my friend was expressing that she couldn't get out of bed. And they were like, well, just put your feet on the ground and mm -hmm. get out of bed. Yeah. But it is, it's, it's hard to relate. Like, I've never yeah. really struggled with, like, that level of depression. And um, I've had partners that do. And honestly, all you could, like, all I could say is, like, I'm not, I don't have first-hand experiences. So mm -hmm. is there anything I can do to help you right now? Yeah. Right? Because they typically kind of have an idea of, like, what they need from you or don't need from you. Um, yeah. But no, you like it is. It is nice to have friends who've struggled with the same things you have, like my OCD, and that you are good, Riley, for like 
if I'm upstairs in my apartment and I'm checking things over and over, Riley will come and be like, I'll check it for you. So, like, at least it's not on me now. It's on mm-hmm. someone else that, like, then it probably triggers her OCD. And then we'll both run and never do anything. We're just constantly checking stoves all day. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun little date day for us. <laughs> we need to go see a movie when we can check the stove 20 times. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah. The, but being a fixer is hard because, like, yeah, you do want to, like, help people that you care about. Yeah. Right? But also, like, then you kind of um, risk them feeling like they can't talk to you about it anymore oh, yeah, sure. or like trying to, yeah trying yeah. to like force people to have help they're like well i'm just not gonna talk to you about this yeah. anymore and to like shut that door on them is like yeah. even it's worse even, than, even more isolating yeah. yeah yeah and i definitely like felt that way at times too mm-hmm. where people just never i think my my mom was one of those people that was like tough for me i stopped talking to her about a lot of stuff because she just like didn't really get it was always yeah. trying to like offer things and i'm like no no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, um, yeah. yeah. I had friends like that, too, when I was dealing with my eating disorder. And it came to a point where they were, like... And I understand it as well, because, like, I've had friends with mental illness. You get frustrated that they're not getting better. And I think it comes from, a, like, a, a sense of, like, you're frustrated that you can't help. Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing that yeah. you can do about it to, like, help somebody that's, like, in pain. Yeah. Um, but then there's, you know, I have to, like kind of remember the time it it just it then caused you pain having your friend like be in pain because of your mental illness and then you're like just tell everybody it's fine yeah yeah no definitely I definitely think what you said is like a great response like just um asking people in that situation if they do choose to open up to you like what can I do to support you how can Mm -hmm. I help like, I think that's, those are the two, like, yeah. main things to yeah. say in that situation. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, like, of course you're going to misstep. And that's not to say, like, I think the people, like, you know, what we're, what we're sharing with right now. Um, not that you should ever, like, not try to help someone. Yeah. Like, yeah, I hope yeah. no one takes it the wrong way what we're saying. But it's so individual. Yes. Um, and you might misstep. Like you mm-hmm. might say the wrong thing and like, yeah. you know, it's no one's perfect and not everyone holds this, you know, doctorate in psychology. Yeah. Right. So, like, <laughs> you know, so I think sometimes having that kind of like allowing them that space to share what they need in that moment. And maybe they not, they, maybe they don't even know what they need. Right. Cause if yeah. they knew they'd probably do themselves. Right. So Absolutely. just even just yeah. sometimes that's powerful enough to know that if you need them, they're there. However yeah. you need them in the future. Yeah. Um, I had friends like Riley who are like, I don't, I don't know how to help you, but I'm here. And it's like, that's enough mm-hmm. knowing that like, you can acknowledge that we both don't really know how to fix this. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll joke about it. Blind means I laugh, but uh, yeah. But just knowing, like, if if I do come up with something, I I think Riley can help me here. I need this. Um, Riley's like there. For, like the thing, even that's just powerful to know that someone. However, you do need them. They'll be there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I need yeah. a million dollars. I need really help. Fundraise, baby. Working on my own pets. Don't make dollars. Help a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Pussy. Yeah. But yeah, I want to echo what Danica said too. Like, there's a difference between like help support and help fix. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Hundred yeah. yeah. percent. Um. So we've also talked on the podcast a lot about experience burnout, especially as a full time sex worker. Oof. Yeah. And we've heard how much stage dancers work, especially at like the five, like they're long oh shifts, fourteen hours, six days, days a week. Like, it's yeah. crazy. Seven. Mm-hmm. Seven days. Seven days a week. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what do you do to protect yourself from burnout? Do you have some kind of things you do to help yourself or yeah I mean I definitely have like a pretty so I haven't been in the greatest of this since coming back from like the like lockdown stuff because I feel like I have trauma from that so now I'm just like work 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 but uh before that I had a pretty strict like three weeks on one week off Mm. kind of situation because I feel like three weeks on is like this sweet spot for me did you work in Alberta yeah. Because that's a very Alberta thing to do. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> when you say three weeks on, is that seven days? Um, It depends on the club. Not mm-hmm. always. Okay. Sometimes it's like six days. Sometimes it's even five days. Okay. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, I feel like that that has been, like, the best thing to me. And then just giving myself space, like, on my week off to just recover. Like, usually, especially after working a long shift, like, the first two days I'll just sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not yeah. hanging out with people. I'm not, yeah, I'm yeah. doing nothing. So 
I think that's like a really good takeaway is because we have such autonomy over our schedule and yeah. we get, which is a beautiful thing about our job. It's one of the best things I like about our job is that yes. we get the freedom of our schedule. Yeah. But with that, sometimes, yeah, you can either work way too fucking much and burn yourself out. Mm-hmm. And then I know Riley and I were struggling a bunch last year was that we felt so guilty when we took days off. Mm-hmm. So I think, or you just take way too many days off and you're like, oh, fuck my bills. So, <laughs> yeah. Capitalism. <laughs> so... Um, I think having like that kind of like set schedule for yourself that works for you is a really, uh, really good idea yeah. to help combat that burnout for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So getting into the fun witchy stuff, mm-hmm. are you able to break down for the listeners what being a witch means to you? And how many men have you sacrificed? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have well, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. So. <laughs> um... So being a witch can mean a lot of things, but I think like, I think, I think pretty much all of the women, uh, in sex work are witches without knowing it. We're all casting like seduction spells and glamour spells Mm. all the time, Mm. you know? And, uh, uh, I think I grew up sort of really interested in it and, um, I come from a line of witches. So like my, I'm the, my grandma was a witch. My mom was a witch. And I am a witch, so my mom is, like, very much, like, a green witch. Like, she is, like, has a green thumb. She does, like, herb magic. She's just, like, can make any plant, like, flourish. She's That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Can she talk to my fiddle with me? Because she's not doing well. <laughs> <laughs> if you gave it to her, she would probably it would just magically turn into, like, this lush thing. She's amazing. I did not get that. <laughs> but I do feel like I'm, like, uh, I have healing Uh, capabilities and I do feel like uh, there's been a lot of times where like with partners or whatever if they're feeling certain things like I can just like lay my hand on them Mm -hmm. and like they'll feel better like if I I just push that I am that good (laughs) that one's uh, free of charge (laughs) no wonder you try and fix everyone you're like let me just touch you (laughs) But I think that it, like, that kind of thing lends itself to this work, too, because I think there's a lot of men that need oh, healing, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I try to be patient with them in that way and, and bring that sort of, like, magic mm-hmm. there because, like, it's the connection of, like, we're all sort of representing the divine feminine mm-hmm. in this place, and that's a really powerful energy. It's mm-hmm. the most powerful in the universe, so... I think that it's really healing and a lot of men don't realize how powerful the experience can be, you know, coming to a strip club and, you know, having time with a dancer or, um, private time with a, with a sex worker, you know, like it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was actually talking to uh, a friend a couple of days ago. She had her first, um, experience with like a cis female mm-hmm. and, uh, she was saying, like, it just felt different being intimate with, like, really female energy. Mm. And I think, like, there's, there is something very, like, healing and, like, special about female energy. Or even, like, outside, like, the bedroom, like, mm-hmm. meeting up with your girlfriends and having this, like, yeah, group of, like, powerful females connecting. Yeah. Um, even in the change room, you have a bad shift or a great shift and you get to like connect with the women in the change room there's something very powerful Mm -hmm. about that that is the thing that i missed the most Mm -hmm. during the pandemic is just the change room shenanigans Mm -hmm. and just that like fun banter and like laughs and silliness Mm -hmm. that happens in the dressing room i miss that so much yeah Yeah. a friend a friend of mine was talking about the silliness in the change room a friend of mine was um he does art and he's like i really want to do some paintings of um you know, women in the change room, like, you know, like, you know, what you'd see on the counter, like, pleasers and blah, blah. It's like, tampons. <laughs> tampons. <laughs> used baby wipes. <laughs> used baby wipes. People checking each other's tampons. Like, yeah. I'm sorry to, like, ruin this image. That you yeah, have it would be a girl <laughs> no. bent over with her ass spread in the mirror. Like, yeah. that would yeah. be, that would be the visual. Yeah. Making eye contact in the mirror with someone else doing their makeup, baby wiping themselves. Yeah. yeah. Spreading your butt all just scissoring out of your butt. Yeah. <laughs> That's a Friday uh, behavior. The male okay. fantasy. Oh, totally, yes. yeah. <laughs> but, having pillow fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always bust open the, the feathers everywhere. Yeah. Um, I do like what you said though about how like seduction is like a spell. Like I think there is something when you even like outside the club when you meet someone you just have that weird like fuck connection with. Like mm-hmm. that is like a spell-esque kind of feeling. It's magic. Yeah. yeah. It's, Everything it's cool. is like, like that. 
I think magic is just working with the energies of the universe and just mm-hmm. trying to bend them to your will. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, when that happens, it's like a natural kind of like lineup of the universe. And mm-hmm. sometimes it happens naturally, and sometimes you gotta, you know, kind throw of push on a it. wig. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Glamour. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, you said you came from a, a line of witches. I yeah. really am not versed in like witch or wiccan at all okay is it something that you inherit is it something that anybody can practice is it something that you can like learn anybody can practice so it's an open practice absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I feel like I feel like especially privileged to have sort of like the um ancestral kind of aspect to it because I think that sort of set me up with like cellular memory of how to use magic in a certain mm-hmm. way but um anybody can do it if you feel called um I think that there's like I mean there's a million books and stuff mm-hmm. to sort of and you, you'll sort of know which way you'll go because there's a million different types of witchcraft too like right. I said like you can like create potions you can do spells you can be like mostly just a meditation witch you can use crystals like there's so many different avenues of magic like mm-hmm. it's yeah I mean, most girls have freaking crystals in the change room and stuff, so we're all witches. I literally think there's something like on that windowsill over there. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I know when I spoke, we spoke to Jules in a previous episode, too, um, and she was saying how, like, nowadays, like, manifesting, like, everyone kind of says, oh, he's manifesting this, and, like, that's pretty much just... The switchcraft. Yeah. It is, But it's just more, I think, palpable for people. Yeah. Um... To say manifesting. Yeah. Uh, rather than, you know, putting out a spell or, or casting or whatever yeah. you know, the phrase would be. But that is just what, like, witchcraft is. Yeah. It's like a spell is just a more, it's like a ritualistic way to manifest Yeah, to set an intention. Yeah. Of, yeah, definitely. Do you ever use witchcraft to enhance your hustle? And how do you do that? Yeah. If you do. Absolutely. I mean, I carry crystals with me. Sometimes I carry little goddess trinkets. Um, often before I go on stage... I will say a little, like, prayer or dedicate my show to a goddess that I feel especially, like, in gratitude for. Like, mm-hmm. they've helped me or um, or I'll, like, call on their energy to help, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there's And I work with goddess energy a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a ton of different things you can work with. But for me, that's what I feel like. I feel like I've been connected to the divine feminine since I was really young like mm-hmm. I'm like such I'm so connected to womanhood like that's such a part of who I am and um yeah so I I love to sort of dance for goddesses on stage and sometimes I feel them with me and sometimes I feel like they're like smiling down like awesome. yeah yeah I like that so before we let you go mm-hmm. we Usually, always. Usually, always. Usually, always. Always, usually. Mostly. Uh, always. <laughs> Mostly, every time, often. Um, ask three final rapid-fire questions. Oh, okay. <laughs> the first one is, what is one thing on your sexual bucket list that you haven't done yet but want to try? Oh, my God. Male, male, female. This is a very yeah, common very one. Common. We're the secure men that just want to have sex with another man and a woman well, yeah that's the thing have have sex with them. it can't be like for me i don't think it would be good if i was in a relationship with some with one of them like oh, it I has see. to be like a one-off situation mm-hmm. which is typically unlike me i'm very much like a relationship like kind of person but right um yeah i think in that specific situation the fantasy Less is just emotions. two hot guys that are yeah. just gonna worship you yeah yes give it to me <laughs> oh, my <laughs> a friend of mine did like an eight guy oh, gangbang <gasps> I know wow I was like she filmed part of it too and I was like show me <laughs> oh my god yes that's my go-to porn search for and sure and that'll be um, available on our Patreon <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the friend was Riley <laughs> love to make eight times as much in one go yeah right (laughs) optimizing uh so what is one thing on the opposite side of that was one thing you've tried sexually that you probably wouldn't do again female female male (laughs) yeah (laughs) i did so many threesomes with other girls for my ex in my 20s and i'm Mm. just like i'm so i'm super straight like i wish that i could 
not be as straight because like I mean cis men are the devil <laughs> truly but if that doesn't uh, prove that sexuality is not a choice that women are attracted to men like <laughs> seriously like, right like the fact that I'm still attracted to men like come on just yeah. throw me a bone <laughs> it uh, hasn't happened yet so yeah I'm not doing threesomes with uh, me and another woman anymore not interested over it fair fair enough yeah and the last one here if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds what would you say Oh, God. Worship sex workers? Perfect. <laughs> and tip them. Yeah. Yes. Full well, stop. worship means money, really. Yeah, truly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Madeline, thank you so much for joining us. We've had a blast. We covered a fuck ton of topics. We'll definitely put a trigger warning at the start of this one. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for being so open and sharing your experience. Thank you guys for having me. I was like so excited to be on. So. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited to have you. Uh, where can people find you? Um, MissHorn.com. All of my stuff is on there. All of my social media, my OnlyFans that uh, don't update very often. But. <laughs> That's still worth supporting. Still yeah. a huge gallery of nudes on there. Um, yeah, Instagram, the Madeline Horn, but who knows if that's going to be deleted by the time it's theirs. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will. MissHorn.com. Yeah, there you awesome. Go. And we'll put that in the description as well. As always, you can find me on Instagram at 50plusatip or email at 50plusatip at gmail.com. You can find the DMs with questions, comments. We love getting them. Remember to rate, review, subscribe on all your podcast platforms. Tell us how much you love us because sex workers love hearing it. Again, thank you, Madeline, so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Have a wonderful week and happy whoring. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>